Geico presents Motorcycle Word of the Day. Today's word is gremlin. Is a gremlin an unknown and persistent mechanical issue? Or is it something large that gets caught in your teeth when you ride with your mouth open? As in... Man, I gotta stop singing 80s power ballads when I ride. Ugh, keep getting gremlins in my teeth. See? Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Look around you. That car you're driving. That house your family lives in. Making your daughter laugh. Inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive. Teaching him he can be anything. All you. And your dreams for tomorrow. You'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen. They are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance. Protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. But this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen episode 492. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And before we jump in, I do want to remind you that uh, we really do live and breathe on the uh, iTunes reviews. Like, it really helps us out. So if you feel that we deserve it, please go over to iTunes, throw us a good review. Good rating and review, if you've had fun. And also, we do play your voicemails on the show. So leave us a voicemail, 205-259-6331, to be heard on the show. Oh man, this uh, this week has been pretty busy, man. It's been dense. Like what 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 happened? Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> Everyone's finally done looking at the ratings from the finales, and apparently so. I, I guess it's time to turn to to business matters. All right, well, I'm gonna jump right into this because we've got a lot to unpack here. And the first couple of bits, uh, I mean, we're we're getting right into Warner Brothers stuff. Uh, First and foremost, this week, U.S. District Court Judge Richard Leon approved the $85.4 billion AT&T Time Warner merger, and uh, he imposed no conditions on the approval. He urged the government not to seek a stay, which means AT&T will have ownership of cable channels HBO and CNN and film studio Warner Brothers. And uh, the AT&T General Counsel David McAtee said, We are pleased that after conducting a full and fair trial on the merits, the court has categorically rejected the government's lawsuit to block our merger with Time Warner. We look forward to closing the merger on or before June 20th so we can begin to give consumers video entertainment that is more affordable, mobile, and innovative. Uh, After the uh, announcement, shares of Time Warner jumped about 5%. In extended trading, shares of AT&T dropped as much as 2%. Uh, Assistant Attorney General Macon Delrahim said the Justice Department was disappointed, said we continue to believe that the pay TV market will be less competitive and less innovative as a result of the proposed merger. We will closely review the court's opinion and consider next steps in light of our commitment to preserving competition for the benefit of American consumers. Um, Now, what this is apparently going to be doing supposedly for the... uh, According to lead trial attorney uh, for AT&T, Daniel Pet- uh, Petroselli, he says there, there's, they're not going to be, uh, there won't be any divestment of any assets at merger completion. So they're holding true to what CEO Randall Stevenson said, that they'll be utilizing their assets to diversify their revenues and to compete against Amazon and Netflix, uh, who are investing more in content. Yeah, no liquidization once they get it. Yeah. Importantly, I, I expect there to be a major executive shakeup at Warner Brothers again. Like, <laughs> and my hope and be- my hope and belief is that Kevin Sujihara is in the crosshairs. <laughs> really, past that, I'm okay. I'm uh, yeah, I'm willing to check it out. Like, so, hey, let's let everybody else sit, but get Sujihara out of there, please. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's what's going on uh, with that. Jeff Johns. Oh, by the way, do you realize that means they also get part mm-hmm. of the CW? Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I mean, this thing is wide and deep. Like, I, they they own all of it now, man. I mean, you've been complaining about how you'd like you would pay to get rid of all of those commercials mm-hmm. on the CW app. Yeah, they might do that. Yeah, I would I mean, pay though. I the problem I have is that I don't like a content provider to be both the person who literally gives you access to it and the person who creates mm-hmm. it. To me, mm-hmm. that is concerning. Mm-hmm. When you couple that with a net neutrality situation, I, I find it all very concerning. Yeah. Not sure how that'll that shake was, out or if I'm interpreting it correctly, but hey. Wasn't that overturned like a couple of days ago until further notice? Like they're going to do something else with it? I can't remember. They're, no, no. The thing uh, keeping it, keeping the net neutral was repealed. So it's, oh. it's happening now. Okay. I thought just a few days ago they like overturned that decision. Pretty sure they repealed net neutrality itself. I don't know. Anyway. Write in and let us know which one is obviously wrong. <laughs> Neutrality anyway. aside, though, I don't love the idea of like the people creating the content and providing access to it. Like, with Netflix, I love that they're creating their own content, but I still have mm-hmm. to go th- through someone to get to them. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't want all of the content to be with someone. Like, even, I mean, even Google, if they had started, and I'm re- man, I really... During the writer's strike, I really thought they were going to do it because they were new media and they didn't have the same laws. They could have done it. Uh, yeah. Even if, if Google started its own like original content situation, you still have to get to them. I mean, as big as Google mm-hmm. is, you've got to get to them. So. Right. I don't know. It it, it concerns me. Yeah. I, it, I'm a little bit scared of there being a market where like, AT&T owns that show outright and there's nothing – there's no competitive advantage. Like nobody else can say, well – but we're going to air Arrow for this rate. No, you're not. We got it. It's ours. Done. Yeah. You want it or not? It's five bucks an episode. Yeah, I was wrong. I just looked it up. Net, tr- net neutrality is officially dead. <laughs> <laughs> it was worded in a way where I understand what you were, I understand what you were thinking. Yeah, I mean, I didn't actually read it. I just glanced at a headline and went, all right. We'll see. I don't know. Um, anyway, over to... Uh, over to some Jeff Johns news. Now, this is coming from a Hollywood Reporter article by Boris Kitt, and Jeff Johns specifically retweeted this article, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming it's accurate. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Johns even wrote, very, very excited for what's ahead, uh, MadGhostProductions.com. And Mad Ghost Productions is his new production company. If you go over there, you'll find some interesting things. Uh, he's got they, They've got it divvied up into like films and television and comics. And mm-hmm. when you go over to the film side, you will see that he is working on uh, the Green Lantern Corps movie. And uh, it does say in the description that Hal Jordan and uh, Jon Stewart are going to be in that in that film. They're specifically mentioned. It does. Uh, um, something bothered me about it, though. Hold on. Let me find it real quick for you. Okay. Mad Ghost Productions. Where are you, buddy? It's madghostproductions.com. Well, now I just have to type the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You'd think it would come up a little higher right now, but no. Got a .com it. Let's see. It was under film. Do love the uh, thing. Yep, right under there. Green Lantern Corpse. Once of mm-hmm. DC Comics' greatest superhero universes. <laughs> the film will feature Hal Jordan and John. St- Great breaking news, but come on, man. It's a pretty simple yeah. site. Just fix the just fix the one thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel shitty. I'm excited about everything he's doing right now, but just, just come back and... Has no one told him? Jeff, hey, by the way, you've got a typo. Yeah, maybe someone has. I'm sure someone has at this point. Go work on that. So anyway, uh, the the headline is Jeff Jaws exit DC Entertainment for writing and producing deal. Uh, I've seen a lot of people, little a lot of anti Jeff Jaws people, a lot of people who blame him for Justice League. Uh, very excited about this. Uh, very excited that he's gone. They think they just read the headline. And went, oh, want- the witch is dead. The witch is dead. But, right? Yeah, but I, you know, whether. <laughs> I want you to know the headline is not Jeff Johns fired from DC Entertainment. Like, nor is it even problem, exits. I mean, no, the the uh, he's kind of moves over. Yeah. So here's what's happening, and I'll be quoting largely from this uh, from from this Boris Kit article. Um, he is entering into an exclusive writer producer deal with Warner Brothers in DC. He's launching his own banner. Uh, banner. Banner <laughs> Mad Ghost Productions, where mm-hmm. he will work on content for films, television, and comic books. He will also have his hand in current DC properties as well as new and reimagined creations. He's doing more of the things you had a problem with him doing. <laughs> He's creating. He's yeah. writing. 
Um, <laughs> I so. laughed at the idea. I saw the same thing. Everyone <laughs> so excited and thought, oh, God, when they read this, they're going to be frightened. They yeah, doubled like, down anything, on his influence. Yeah, if anything, like, what, what, they are literally taking him out of the boardroom. Like, and putting they him in. not to bog him down <laughs> with responsibility and instead told him to write, Jeff, write. Yeah. Yeah, the responsibility was tying his hands. Yeah. That's what you wanted. Yeah. Anyway, I, I like Jeff Johns as a writer. I'm fine with him creating more. I, I have no problem with it. DC Entertainment yeah. publisher Jim Lee is going to be taking over the chief exec, uh, sorry, the chief creative officer position while maintaining his publisher duties with Dan DiDio. Still uh, good Johns for him. now. John goes back from the executive ranks to the creative world, a realm which he never truly left, even as he was promoted to DC Entertainment President in 2016 and retained the title of Chief Creative Officer, which he had held since 2010. He continued to pen some of DC's biggest books. More impactfully, he was key in launching the TV empire based on DC's heroes, co-developing the CW's most successful superhero show, The Flash, and with Peter Roth and WBTV launching Supergirl and Black Lightning, among many others. The move, in essence, unshackles Johns from the boardroom and positions him to be a major force and supplier for content, just as Warner's needs and demand, uh, an audience demand for that sort of material rises like a mercury on steroids, the article says. <laughs> uh, I took on a role at DCE because I love the characters and this universe more than anything, but I want to spend my days writing and on set. Johns said Monday in a statement, I'm thrilled to get back to a more hands-on, creative role. It's a dream job on dream projects, reaching even deeper into DC's vast pantheon of characters. Oh, and you know and he do, will. Absolutely. And they do mention Green Lantern Corps. He said, uh, it says that he spent nine years writing Green Lantern comics, which I do remember that, and I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And it spent off some publishing events. Johns will write the screenplay and act as one of the producers on the feature film. He is already writing and producing Wonder Woman 2. And we'll have a co-writing and executive producing credit on Aquaman, this year's only DC offering, which is set to open in December. Uh, Jeff is a super talented writer and truly embedded in the DC universe. And his character, uh, characters, uh, Toby Emmerich says, we're thrilled that he's returning to his passion and his roots as a writer and a producer. And it's even better that he's staying in our Warner Brothers family. We look forward to working <laughs> with him on Green Lantern and other projects going forward. Now, he's, uh, he's also helping to develop Doom Patrol um, with Greg Berlanti and uh, Sarah Schachter and Jeremy Carver um, with Titans. And um, he's going to be writing and he's going to curate a DC pop-up label under the moniker The Killing Zone on the publishing uh, front, focusing on new and lesser-known or dormant DC characters and titles. That's kind of what he does. They basically gave him a playground. They did. They let him they let him do whatever he wants, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, he will also write a new Shazam comic series scheduled to come out this fall, as well as a comic titled Three Jokers, yes, drawn by God Jason Fabok. <laughs> the latter was a project that was sidelined as John's time was taken up by executive and screen commitments. Uh, that the story uh, Dan, needs told, yeah. man. Get it, get it going. Absolutely. Dan DiDio says Jeff is one of DC's uh, DC Comics' most prolific writers, and we can't wait to see what he does next now that he will be dedicating 100% of his time to telling the best DC stories possible across all media. And this also ties into another Boris Kidd article that THR, the Hollywood Reporter, uh, put out. Warner Brothers shifts DC strategy amid uh, sorry, executive change-up. Uh, with Jeff Johns moving over to his new production deal, Walter Hamada now has greater control over DC Films. Um, he walked into a shit show and he's trying to clean it up, says one insider familiar with the scene. According to insiders, Hamada has spent months going over the projects in development, culling certain ones, elevating others, keeping an eye on the big marquee heroes while also developing lesser known characters that could pop big. That sounds right. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, this year there is only one DC movie. They, they point out, um, December 21st is Aquaman. Next year there's going to be Shazam. There's going to be Wonder Woman 1984, which uh, has already begun shooting yesterday. Um, two potential Joker films, one with Leto uh, from the Suicide Squad DCEU universe, then one with Joaquin Phoenix, the Todd Phillips directed uh, Todd uh, Joker movie. Which is so here. This is a scoop. This is a big deal. It's expected to begin shooting in the fall, and it's budgeted at about 55 million dollars. And it may be launched under a new label that could be branded 
DC Dark or DC Black. And it should be noted that DC Black, DC Black label is a uh, new label with the comics line in the publishing realm that offers, quote, leading writers and artists of any industry the opportunity to tell their definitive DC stories without being confined to canon. Yeah, I hate that. No, I, I think that's a good idea. I think Black Label is a good idea. That's something you and I talked about for years. Like, they're bringing in, like, top-tier artists and writers to do whatever the hell they want with the characters without it affecting canon. Yeah. Now, I, I think it's confusing, but it could be creatively stimulating in some in some ways with the movie line as well. I mean, I know we've talked about it. Like, it doesn't have to all be canon necessarily, but... Um... Mm-hmm. The one thing I wish we had with it is a, a little more certainty. Like, I wish we had some more earth under our feet before they started throwing in, you know, DCU black. I I agree. I agree that there should be a little more stability. Like, when they say, you know, the Flash film is going to begin filming in 2019 or something, like, I want to be able to believe them. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good thing, because they the, that you bring that up as the next thing that the article states. It says, the other DC movies are leaving behind the dark and brooding palette. The Flash, which will finally begin production in early 2019 with Ezra Miller, has abandoned the somber themes it had been expected to tackle. The film now has the game night team of John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, uh, and is looking to back to the future as a touchstone. And they also mention uh, Margot Robbie's Birds of Prey and the in-development Batgirl. Um, yet Luke again, Harley here we have primarily kind of comedic character almost in that. Well, not primarily for sure, but she had some fun. So yeah. they're going for, I, I get what they're going for. I'm not against it. Yeah. Now there's also, uh, they bring up quote, the big question mark going forward is the future of Batman. Writer director Matt Reeves turned in the first act of a new screenplay during the Memorial Day weekend is said to focus on a young caped crusader. And while the studio would not comment it is unlikely that Ben Affleck, who has played Batman in three features, will again don the cowl. Um, that flies in the face of all the rumors we've been hearing that Ben Affleck was going to show up with Matt Reeves, you know, STCC. Um, honestly, I am more um, more willing to believe Boris Kitt than random ass rumors. <laughs> than random ass rumors for sure, but to me, like that's the least believable part of the the whole article is like sources quote. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. parts of it sound more or less believable than others. Yeah. That's the part where I'm the most suspicious. Mm-hmm. A, a lot yeah. of the other stuff, I'm, I'm – even down to Back to the Future, I, I that makes sense to me in some way. Sure. Like, but yeah. uh, Ben Affleck being gone, I'm, like, I'm not just speaking from the heart or trying to be denialist here. Just, that one's the one that like, – there's so much shit going around. I got I to gotta see something real with that one. Yeah. Um, now – one thing that Hamada, Walter Hamada, will not be doing, according to this article, is convening a writer's room. And this is from, quote, insiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain studios have taken that tax, such as Paramount and Hasbro, with their toy-based properties. Univ- and Warner Brothers. <laughs> Warner <laughs> Brothers does that all the time. Apparently that's not Hamada's style. Uh, Walter is philosophically opposed to that approach, says one insider. Now, uh... Hamada and his boss, Toby Emmerich, sources say, also are not looking to date upcoming titles in advance, something they're convinced has bedeviled the DC movies since 2013's Man of Steel. Walter has a specific design for the universe, says one insider familiar with his thinking. He has a plan. Sounds great. I like one thing about this plan, if it's true. Hopefully he'll be able to, you know, do the plan. We've heard a lot of people have plans, and they haven't, none of them have been able to do their plans. Yeah, there's no follow-through. If it's true, one of the things I really like about this is he has a plan, and part of the plan involves not giving you like a detailed uh, title for the film years before you need it. Because mm-hmm. the more and more we see this stuff, the more and more I keep thinking that you know Warner Brothers needs to just go dark with like production details. Mm-hmm. The more I see, the more I think, just, just turn the lights off, man. Do this whole thing in studio... Security check at the door. Fuck it. I, I don't even want outside shots anymore. Just keep it all inside. <laughs> CGI the world. Yep. You need to block everything. Cause and then it'll be, this week on DC On Screen, Dave draws a bat symbol on his toenail. It might be. But it keeps it keeps seeming like the advice I would give them. Like, Go dark. Go dark. They don't. The world doesn't need details. It's already too divisive. Just show them the finished product. Period. Like, you you show a casting news, maybe, <laughs> then you drop two trailers, 
and then you uh-huh. show them the movie. And I mean the whole movie. Don't hold out a cut, you son of a bitch. You put the whole movie in that theater. Mm-hmm. That well, I would like to. I, uh, you want to know if you want to know how that will really work out? I will just direct you to Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> Paramount put out nothing. We knew nothing mm-hmm. until that shit was in theaters. <laughs> they, they, we most of us weren't even sure it was coming out. <laughs> We're still, still people dubious about its very existence. And it was sad because it was a really pretty fantastic uh, Star Trek film. But that's kind of my point. Like, just let. It seems like the the way things move so quickly and through such a just vitriolic grist mill. Now you've got to just keep your cards so close to the vest. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, damn it. For a, for a, well, I for mean, a it seems to be working out well for James One. A symbol of hope. There is none. Like, there's none in the fan base. It's just so hard there to find. There is some. We have hope. I know. Ray and Brent have hope over on Fans Without Borders. Yeah, Scott and Tim definitely have hope over on Suicide Squad cast. I believe we do. There are a few of us. Yeah, I mentioned us. <laughs> <laughs> but I swear it's so it's so uh, toxic. Sometimes you have to like, oh man, you have to you have to turn off Twitter and just breathe for a second. But come on, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So this is this. Here's a piece of news that I'm excited about. Uh, WB has promoted the Justice League and Wonder Woman casting director, Christy Carlson. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we can all agree that those casting choices were on point as hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so that that's great news to me. I, I don't know. She's going to be uh, replacing Laura Kennedy. And um, you're on board. She's going to be reporting to uh, production president, uh, Courtney Valenti, Valenti, whatever. Uh now, Carlson, though, has been uh, Warner Brothers Pictures' SVP of feature casting, though, since 2010. And uh, she's also she also worked on Watchmen, which was perfectly done. Man of Steel, which was pretty damn great. Sucker Punch, Happy Feet. Um, she also worked, she wasn't directly responsible for it, but she also worked on Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, Man from Uncle, Sherlock Holmes, uh, and other DC Universe films. I... I'm down, dude. She's pretty good with the casting. Yeah. I can get behind that. Nothing wrong with that promotion. Now, more big news. Like I just I was just talking about, I just briefly mentioned that, you know, in line with Jason's line of thought uh, about how they should do things, James Wan has barely put anything out about Aquaman. Lo, these many months. I approve. They've been filming. Um, an Aquaman trailer was dropped at Cine Europe. Uh, it was only screened for an exclusive audience. That was in attendance. This was in Barcelona, Spain, guys. Now, Deadline reports that we will see the trailer, quote, soon. Variety reports, quote, the next few days. And that was a few days ago. Yeah. Everyone said this week and it hadn't happened. I know. I was just like, I was holding my breath, hoping it would happen today. But I, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. They Actually, something happened, but it wasn't a trailer. All right. Um, let's see. The Russian website, uh, kinometro.ru. Gave a little description, said the trailer was full of not only traditional action and dizzying special effects, but also good humor. They said the feature, the footage featured an unusually bright picture that is not so common with films from DC. Okay, so it's saturated. Good. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, now, EW, uh, Entertainment Weekly, they put out... Uh, well, they're, tomorrow they drop their newsstand edition of the first look at Aquaman issue. And in there, they, they got to talk to James Wan. And uh, they even said they got to see about 15 minutes of it. And they noticed that the characters, when they were underwater, they just they were just talking. James Wan says, people are overthinking it. They're just going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, oh my gosh. the Wan posted on Twitter, so it starts, first glimpse. And uh, he had a badass cover of the Entertainment Weekly with Aquaman, Atlanta, uh, played by Nicole Kidman, and Mara, Amber Heard. It looks oh so good, mm-hmm. so good. Now, and the only thing that the only thing I hated about the cover was the little tagline they had or the little blurb they had. They said, "Inside the ambitious attempt to bring a former pop culture punchline to the big screen," and Shell, yeah, it looks good. Oh. Come on, Shell, yeah, oh. that's so awful. 
No. Don't take a shot at the character and then become a punchline yourself. <laughs> I would have been way I'm more okay. proud if they had just subtitled that issue, Shell Yeah. Uh. Then I'd have felt like you were standing by your pun, not hiding behind some mm-hmm. like shade, literal shade. So what if we tried to personify the Jason Momoa Aquaman on Nickelodeon? Right. Uh, but yeah, so um, fantastic looking cover. I think I'm probably going to go pick it up tomorrow. And there's also another cover of uh, the of Jason Momoa, you know, obviously as Aquaman with water like raining down on him. It's like a close up. Um, inside the issue, they've already released a bunch of the pictures online. Aquaman in, in like that sub. We've seen a bunch of that with water splashing up behind him as he holds onto a ladder. Yeah. We saw a picture of uh, James Wan uh, doing a bit of directing with Amber Heard, Momoa, and Volko, uh, Willem Dafoe, and what looks like uh, uh, a sunken ship. Mm-hmm. We have a badass picture of Yaya Mateen looking at his uh, Black Manta helmet. Mm-hmm. Which looks good. That helmet looks great. Looks so good. Uh, Aquaman talking to Orm. That looks badass. I don't know what's going on, but it looks like lava is going up behind them. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. But it looks amazing. Uh, we've got Mera holding onto a map, probably the one that Volko had in the ship. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Right. But um, had that with uh, with Aquaman on the shore. And uh, a fantastic shot of Nicole Kidman's Atlanta holding baby Arthur. Uh, it was just, oh man, mm-hmm. looks good. Uh, I'm probably, uh, this is the most excited I've been for this movie. <laughs> like, they sold me in, I, I don't need a trailer. They sold me in those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you can go dark yourself and just wait. Mm hmm. And speaking of selling me on something. They have it, the Wonder, the new Wonder Woman movie is officially Wonder Woman 1984 now. Um, what was funny is they had a uh, someone posted a picture of some street closure notices for Georgetown, Washington D.C., and it is these are like the little like things that they post around telling people like, hey, yeah, we have permission to be shooting here, blah blah blah. Yeah. And but they're using the uh, the working title uh, Magic Hour, and they have it in this like ridiculously like perfect 80s font nice like it looks great but it is uh it is a uh, wonder woman 1984 gal gadot put out a uh, a photo of herself uh looking at several very 80s looking tv screens it's like a wall of television showing a variety of 1980s programming mm-hmm. and um i didn't recognize everything I, I i saw larry hagman from dallas i saw christy brinkley from national lampoon's vacation <laughs> i saw like the little like off-the-air test bars, um, something that looks like lasers in a crowd, something that looks like a mohawk in, a, in pink smoke, either that or Batman's brains getting blown out the top of his head. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, and like an 80s grid triangle-looking thing. Uh, there was like a picture of a jet of some kind flying. My wife think, thought it was from like Top Gun or something, but we're not sure. The front of a yacht and uh, one that looks like Max Headroom drinking a Pepsi. I was hoping for Max Headroom. I really was. I I'm not sure, but if that's what that was, it, that's what it looks like to me. Um, but I'm I'm excited. I love the '80s. I love uh, how ridiculous and fun looking back at that can be. Mm-hmm. Um, Patty Jenkins revealed a picture of uh, Chris Pine in a mall, <laughs> wearing an '80s tracksuit, and looking around at the confusion of the horrible '80s fashion. <laughs> and I think she may have done that just to get ahead of like to get out in front of some of the set pictures that have been popping up. Like one guy took pictures of, um, just tons of seventies and eighties looking cars in, in, uh, the, uh, landmark mall, uh, parking garage. Mm-hmm. And someone posted, uh, some video. And then someone else posted some pictures of, uh, Chris Pine and Gal Gadot decked out in eighties clothes. And Pine has a tracksuit and a fanny pack on. Yeah. <laughs> and Godot has this, like, awful female power suit, Don Johnson in Miami Vice thing going on with the jacket sleeves rolled up. But it, it totally looks like a suit that Linda Carter wore on the original Wonder Woman television show. Like, almost identical. No, no. Except the, sh- the sleeves are just rolled up. The Yeah, the shoulders and that uh, collar thing are just, that's almost perfect. Yeah. I saw somebody respond to that picture with it was something along the lines of like, this is it. This is the moment Chris Prine brought the fanny pack back. I'm down. I, it's a useful little device, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's useful. Like, you know, I'm I'm 
34, I'm married. What am I worried about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the event that you become a father, you were never going to be one of those that was worried about embarrassing their child anyway, I feel like. So what, just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get a Batman fanny pack. It'll all be good. Yeah. Actually, you know, like we should, they should just have like a utility belt. We should just be able to have a utility belt and that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It's something I envy about, uh, about purses. Mm hmm. They're very useful. <laughs> be like that, that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry gets a, uh, a European carry all and it's just a purse, but he refuses to call it a purse. I- and then someone steals it and he's like, officer, someone stole my European carry all. And they're like, you're what? And he's like, my purse. I carry a purse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in uh, in college, I had what friends at the time was calling a man bag, or uh-huh. Ross was insisting was a man bag. Mm-hmm. I had it in college. I have it now. I've regretted <laughs> absolutely zero time with that bag. It was wonderful. Oh yeah, it, well, because the man that that it just it's just a laptop bag now. At times, like, oh, I used it for a laptop, laptop, but it was damn good with a textbook. Great and now someone steals it, like, hey, look, there's a laptop bag. They steal it, they get it home. It's just nothing but, like, crackers. Yeah. Cheese crackers. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of blue pins. I really love that bag, now. I've, I've sewn it back together. <laughs> yeah, I've got one. I, I, well, there's one unfortunate anyway. trip where I was biking to class, and, uh, like, it, it, there's a strapping situation on one side of it with the, the leather strapping, and, like, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize the bike was, or the bike wheel was, like, just lightly eating into that, so... Mm-hmm. Situation got precarious after that. I had to sew, do some sewing, which I'm not happens, qualified man. to do. So it looks like hell, but it stayed together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all that matters. In fact, that's kind of cool. It's like your bag has a scar. It really. It's not even a scar. It's an appendage that was replaced, no. probably against its will. Like I think it rather. Mm. It, if you if I'd asked it, hey, would you like me to do surgery? Let me die. But no, yep. we did it anyway. <laughs> But yeah, but you take it out, and you know all the purses are looking at it, going like, "Oh, it's a bad boy." Yeah, yeah that's that's what happened. <laughs> anyway, if I left it alone for too long in a room with other bags in general, I'd find it inside a female purse. Yeah, just and then you'd be responsible for several like little coin purses. Yeah, clutches. <laughs> some blue, Vulture some pink. Rep- no. Vulture reporter Kyle Buchanan. <laughs> <laughs> that was when you finally told me no? Okay. Yep. 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 <laughs> it just has to end. <laughs> Vulture reporter Kyle Buchanan uh, revealed some stuff about uh, Kristen Wiig's role as Cheetah. He says on Twitter, Since today is a good day for Wonder Woman scoops, I've heard that Kristen Wiig starts the sequel as Diana's friend, not her foe. She emulates Wonder Woman, then seeks to usurp her. It sounds like this will be the version of the character that has appealed, uh, appeared most frequently in modern comics, um, especially in Greg Rucka and Liam, Sh- Liam Sharp's Rebirth storyline. Uh, in that one, Minerva Barbara Minerva was an archaeologist who was recently, uh, or who was characterized as Diana Prince's best friend, and then uh, is unfortunately cursed by the god uh, Ertz Cartaga. I can't say that. That's name. a good enough. I guess. don't know how. To, but you know what? I hope they don't go that route. As far as like how she becomes the bad, uh, you know, the bad person, the the villain. God, what's wrong with me? You got there. The bad person. I've been watching. I've been watching Legion. That's my problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like villain. Can't be a villain. A villain's a peasant. Does she look like a peasant? <laughs> <laughs> Damn Shadow King and his words. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, I hope they don't go this route because this just sounds like uh, enchantress to me. Yeah, I figured that would be a problem. Uh, I agree. I, I do agree. Be a little repetitive, especially for a series of films this young, honestly. Yeah. All right, so there's a rumor going about, uh, you know, the old guy over there at, uh, on Twitter, this you know, writer who keeps throwing out the uh, the scoops and the rumors. Mm. He says, uh, from what a, Daniel RPK is this guy's name. He says, from what I understand, Black Adam isn't going to be in Suicide Squad 2. That was a big rumor that was going on for a while. It was around. Um, now, this is actually a piece of news. Todd Stashwick uh, was on the um, <laughs> Popcorn Talks DC Movie News. There you go. That makes more sense. Yep. 
and um, says, I'm excited to announce for the first time publicly, actually, that I'm co-writing Suicide Squad 2. Um, Stashwick is an actor and a writer. He was on Heroes. He was on The Riches, The Originals. He's on 12 Monkeys. He was on Gotham as Richard Sionis. He's a guy that the moment you see him, you know he's going mm-hmm. to be an asshole in that in whatever setting he's in. Like You just know, oh, he's going to be the asshole. Mm-hmm. But he's always done a lot of writing. He's been writing since Second City. He says, I've developed pilots that I've written with the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. I was writing a Star Wars game for three years, working with Lucasfilm and EA. And then Gavin O'Connor, who was directing and writing Suicide Squad 2. I worked on a project with him, Jane Got a Gun, as my director. And so we had a great rapport and a great relationship. And then this project came about, and he and I started talking, and he appreciated my deep love for the franchise for DC. We sat down, we started. he started picking my brain, and he could see that this is something that I have a deep passion for and that I understand genre. That's kind of what I like to write in. And then once we started bouncing ideas back and forth, there's a third writer, David Barkatz. The three of us are writing it together. And so once we started talking and just bouncing ideas back and forth, he was like, this is the team. This is who I want for this. I wouldn't know where to start writing a Marvel film because that's not my forte. That's not my passion. I'm much more of a DC guy. And so these are the characters I read about. These are the films that I delight in. I love the Marvel films, but the opportunity to be invited into a project that I'm passionate about is yet another bucket list that I get to check off. I really cannot say anything about where the script is, is going. Uh, I can say that we have been working hard to craft something that we're really proud of in this, and a story we want to tell. So... That's like the most concrete thing I've heard about Suicide Squad 2 in quite a while, really. True. Happy for this guy, though. It's weird that, like, basically Gotham's Black Mask is, is writing Suicide Squad 2. I know, but I like it. <laughs> and I really have seen him in... Uh, he's just one of those guys I've seen around so many times. He's kind of kind of a yeah. character actor that... He always does well. It's it's not a... Mm-hmm. I don't... I mean, I, I don't... It's, I don't even know why he's not had, like, a more prominent show somewhere but he always does well i don't know his writing but damn it sounds like he's interested yeah. in the project and i love that he kind of identifies as a dc guy like i like that he is excited about what he's getting into mm-hmm. how much of a dream might that be though to like sit down with somebody and just bullshit and they're like no you're writing it yeah that'd be awesome yeah I, i'm just imagining them with like a couple of glasses of scotch just going like you know it'd be great we should do this we should do this and you know what this is the team this is the team guys Making some mm-hmm. half-drunken phone calls. I've got them. I've got everybody. Just call their agents. It's good. <laughs> it's, we got it. Right. We have so many ideas. Yep. Uh, that'd be cool. Like, I've worked on... Uh, well, I've done research and worked on... You know, shot the shit with a writer who was working... Uh, who was writing a movie uh, several years ago. Several, several years ago. And uh, that, never, that movie never got made. But I, I did wind up getting the script after it was, you know forgotten yeah basically um my name wasn't on it though once it was orphaned <laughs> mine uh, yeah i didn't have any any uh my name wasn't thrown in on that script as a, any kind of credit but uh yeah you didn't get a wga card out of that one no that was some like that was back in like aol days and like the last days of aol mm, yeah i was gonna say you wouldn't even get a copy of final draft after that but dear god that that may have preceded that mm-hmm all right, so, uh, you know, we, we heard a long time ago that uh, Gareth Edwards, the director of The Raid, was working on a solo Deathstroke film, and now we just haven't heard anything about it mm-hmm. since. Um, someone asked Edward, uh, sorry, Evans, uh, Gareth Evans, uh, what, they, what he was working on on Twitter, and he says, I'm going straight into production on a TV show soon in the UK that will keep me busy making General Mayhem until 2020, then looking at making a bunch of films in Wales for the foreseeable future. Um, a lot of people are reporting this is like, Hey, we're, we're, we're probably not going to get a Deathstroke film for quite a while if we do. And I would say that might actually teen Titans go to the movies might actually push it, it Deathstroke could. a little further along, put it up the, uh, the algorithm. Sure. But, um, especially considering how rabid the fan base is for Joe, Joe Manganiello, uh, to play Deathstroke. I would say this probably means Gareth Edwards is, will be making an announcement or Warner Brothers will be making an announcement that he's off the project at some point soon. Unless he's shooting this thing in Wales, which I doubt. <laughs> Too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. They shoot Doctor Who in Wales. And that's notably cheap. Yeah, but it gets called out for being notably cheap looking sometimes, so. <laughs> well, you know. I, I uh, adore the show, Sl- but. Slade is a uh, 
you know, man about town, you know, yeah. world traveler. I don't know why we couldn't have a well, Deathstroke film set in Wales. That brings up a point <laughs> I thought about earlier. Uh-huh. If they're going to do a Deathstroke film, dude, uh-huh. you do that thing. You do it for like 25, 35 million. Oh, yeah. So the one thing I really like about going back, the uh, DCU like off brand Joker film is the budget. Mm-hmm. That's the smartest decision so far. And what I otherwise think is maybe not a great call right this second. Yeah. Sure, I'm going to watch it. I want to be excited for it. But I maybe wouldn't do mm-hmm. it right this second. Anyway, if they're going to do it, I think that's the right number. I might even pull it back a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. I think they should grab some of these, especially some of these non-superpowered characters who like do primarily just like action shit that's not like flying or you know any kind of like real special effect. Yeah, get yourself like a wildcat powers. Yeah, like man, make it like twenty, thirty million. I mean, you look at look at what they do on Arrow for two. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I understand you got to have you know. You need to have, like, an orchestra. You probably need to have, like, you know... You need to pay out real money for, like, really good cameras, really... But, I mean, gosh, you know, man. going back to the orchestra, if you did a Joker film and you did a John Carpenter-esque kind of score... Mm-hmm. Just a dude and a keyboard kind of thing... Mm-hmm. Could totally work. I don't need I don't need 32 pieces for that, man. Something a little creepy. Cut the budget there. I mean, if you're doing, like, great. a Scorsese... If you're doing, like, a Scorsese uh, Joker film... Um, you know, um, just throw in some old jazz tracks or something, man. <laughs> like, like, look at some, some like the Shirley Walker type of no, stuff. I want to hear so what as the Joker's ripping someone's skin off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, low budget. Good, good call. That's my point. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's something kind of funny at Melbourne Oz Comic Con, Joe Manganiello, uh, revealed that he was offered the part of Deathstroke because Jeff Johns and Ben Affleck were writing the Batman script. They wanted Slade to be in the end of Justice League. John Berg googled Deathstroke, saw Boss Logic's fan art of Joe as Slade Wilson, and they, hey, this guy looks good, and they called him. (laughs) Oh, it can happen that quickly, huh? (laughs) Like, this is what we're dealing with? Like, they googled, John Berg googled Deathstroke? Saw some deviant art and went, well, that checks. Can anyone get his phone number? Who's his agent? Oh, gosh. All right. On to some Justice League stuff. I would like stuff. to know, though, um, if like Joe got that call, or his agent, and then Joe got that call, and and actually had to look up Deathstroke. I would love to mm-hmm. think that he got that call, knew who Deathstroke was, and went, oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Kyle Buchanan, senior editor over at Vulture... This another thing from Kyle Buchanan. He tweeted in response to the uh, Jeff Johns exiting DC Entertainment thing. Uh, tweeted, I remember hearing that Jeff Johns rewrote so much of Justice League when Zack Snyder was still directing that Chris Terrio would complain, maybe try using some of my pages. WB hmm. was allegedly so unsatisfied with how the John Snyder version was shaping up that they convene a footage summit for other writers, including Joss Whedon, Alan Heinberg, Seth Graham Smith, and Andrea Berloff to offer feedback. Then they hired Whedon. So this is not a John's Whedon situation. What we saw was a Whedon situation. That's why Terrio, who worked on the story and the screenplay with, uh, he actually co-did the story with, uh, with Snyder, but he scripted BVS and then he wound up getting a screenplay credit by on Justice League with Joss Whedon. But there's no ampersand. It's just and. Yeah. So Terrio and Whedon did not work together on right. Justice League. Uh, and Jeff Johns is credited solely as executive producer on, on the final product. So I don't know. that If, if that's true, that's that's kind of interesting. I mean, it means it, it, God, it means it was a mess the entire time, honestly. Absolutely. And Absolutely. the credits bear it out if that's what happened. Like, Terrio being there means that enough of his story survived that he needed the credit. Uh, if it's an and, yeah, sure. That That's not... Those two aren't working together. And if Whedon's out of it in the writing credit, then that means that, oh, Lord, they abandoned a, a huge amount of what uh, Johns was writing. Mm-hmm. Like, that just sounds messy as hell. Like, it sounds like they had a team of lawyers, you know, work on what the credit should read. This is also while... Well, it probably went into arbitration also- a few times, to be honest. 
Probably. And this is, but this is also why I continue to say, even if we get a Zack Snyder cut, we don't have a Zack Snyder cut because while they were filming with Snyder, Johns was rewriting shit. Yeah. Like we're not going to get that Chris Terrio, Zack Snyder film that everybody thinks we're going to get. Yeah. It's not going to be Zack's vision. I'd love to see it, but I, I still, sure. still never think it's going to happen. I think it will. A version of it will. Warner Brothers likes money too much. They do. There wasn't. There was a. There was a rumor out there. But they just um, made a I'd ton of it. I don't know. Chose not to get too deeply into it for this episode, but there was a rumor out there that um, that they that Warner Brothers gave Snyder the option to um, put out the Snyder cut if Cruel and Unusual Films um, footed the bill for for the what it would cost to actually do it. Finish. Yeah, finishing the effects and everything. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. That's just a weird rumor that was out there, and it wasn't even rumor enough for me to really jump into it. Still seems unlikely for me. Like it, the biggest problem I have with the Snyder <laughs> Cut, if you're mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, is your you know you have this contingent of people that are like off you forever now, and they're done with you, and they have to see the Snyder Cut, or they have to see the Snyder Cut, but they're still going to watch your films, and like yeah. There's the a point right between where you're either one of those two people. Like if you're done, then mm-hmm. you're done, and they don't care. Who cares? You don't need the Snyder cut. If 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 you're Warner Brothers, you know, go fuck yourself. You're not gonna see my, the rest of my movies anyway, so I don't care about you. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other kind of gray area for them, where maybe you do see the Snyder cut and decide, you know, screw WB, they blah blah blah, and then then you decide you don't want to see the other films. Like that's a risk for them, and it's a risk that happens in the millions of dollars as far as the box office results you know well they're not i don't think they'd put it out in theaters they might for like a day no i I mean going forward kind of box office results like maybe you see the snyder cut of that and there's a a percentage of this group of hey we'd like to see the snyder cut that says i'd love to see it okay now i've seen it and fuck you guys i'm never going to see another thing you make you destroyed it there the 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 very real chances anyone who is going to be like that is going to is already there and they wanted to see the Snyder Cut, so they're just going to get money from those people one more time. They will, but if they release it, they're also like validating an argument against their own actions, which is not something well, people like to do a lot. Well, they don't. I mean, they don't really have a leg to stand on. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, I mean, history is perception to some extent. If those people just get ignored, and the people that keep seeing these movies and keep buying tickets and enjoying themselves went out. If all they do is kind of tweak a few things and increase ticket sales, then the release, the Snyder mm-hmm. cut people don't matter anymore to some extent. Like justice league was a downturn for box office sales for a lot of reasons. But mm-hmm. if the next movie, like if Aquaman comes out and then wonder woman or then Shazam comes out, I guess. And these are upturns. They can kind of ignore all that and just keep going. If Aquaman comes out and is a, is a success, there is no way they're not going to put out another version of a movie that has him in he was as in. Aquaman. I think it still creates another narrative that they have to account for. Takes too much. Off, I think it's too taxing for them. Takes too much off their plate. Like I don't think they I, need to. I think people also with the New Deal, they don't need the money. Like well, no, but I think people so maybe who, one of the reasons they don't that need the money now. Hamada's gotten so much uh, opportunity to kind of go in and plan things, as they're saying, is maybe. They've got the backing. There's They've a, got a little bit of a there's window a, here. They they don't need the money anyway. They, do you? There was a there's a great uh, a, a great interview with uh, Harlan Ellison where he's talking about how they won't send him like you know he does the interview or whatever that they want him to do, and they won't even send you a copy of the Babylon Five DVD set when it comes out. And you call him like, "Where's the DVD set?" Oh well, Harlan is in the stores. And he's like, "In the stores? Send me a copy." <laughs> yeah. he's like i mean what is what is warner brothers out on the corner with the eye patch and a tin <laughs> cup no i'm not worried about him sending a copy it's not that level by any stretch but like why would you create a contingent it it it's just not it's not a good way to play it for them to create another kind of universe where not only would They'd be creating a universe where suddenly there's this whole series of people that are validated in their belief that, like, no, this was better, and you fucked it up. Now mm-hmm. you've done it, and if you want to capitalize on it, you have to go back to a bunch of people you screwed over to 
keep going on it. Like to keep to, to double down and keep making money on that universe, you have to, I mean, kind of in a way split your universe now or find some a bizarre way that maybe like maybe only Jeff Johns could find a way to make those two work again. I, I don't think that there's a there's a real difference between those. The I mean, I think they both end pretty much the same. I do think they both end kind of the same. I think you get to a point, you get to the same point. Eventually. Um, but he clearly probably. had way more plan than they did in, you know, the couple hours they were given. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're doing a New Gods movie with Ava DuVernay. So they might actually get to a place where some of that matters again. Yeah. But... I don't think they really stand. If they, especially if they had cruel and unusual, pay for it. I don't really see where they have an issue. Like they're they're going to make some money off of that. Like Justice League has done pretty well in in Blu-ray sales. The people who take note of these things and want a Snyder cut will buy it. The general public will not give a shit either way and don't. See, that's the kind of thing though that. I get confused they about the buy, message buy, buy either Brothers sends version. That. Like, on the one hand, they're willing to put out a Joker film. Mm-hmm. To some extent, I think because Scorsese said I wanted to, so they're like, "Yeah, sure, go." Maybe. I. To some extent, they're willing they're to put man. out a Joker film. Mm-hmm. In the same universe where we weren't willing to use, you know, the name Harley Quinn over an arrow, so we're mm-hmm. willing to confuse that universe in the films, which is where, let's face it, they are kind of old school, and they think that's where the money is. So they're willing to confuse that universe and have another Joker. And they're maybe just shifted. apparently willing to confuse this universe and, and time shift Batman and have another Batman. Yeah. But they, I mean, things have changed. People have changed. They keep changing people over there. So, yeah. but then, you know, Diane, Diane Nelson is not there anymore. I don't know. Time for there to be two Jokers, apparently. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand, man. I don't either. I just, <laughs> it keeps feeling very suspicious to me that they would, uh, it, it, I, I keep failing to understand how it would benefit them to do it. Like, really, ultimately benefit them to do it. I, as soon as I get that, I'll... Again, I'd love to see it, but I just can't figure out how it would make it work for them. Mm. I don't know. I don't know all the numbers. Now, uh, one one last little bit here in movie news, though. Um, there was a post on Vero. And so this has people thinking that they're going to announce the Snyder Cut at the SDCC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zack Snyder, um, well, okay. A user on Vero posted a picture of Snyder at a previous San Diego Comic-Con and he tagged Snyder and said, here's to hoping the boss man himself, Zack Snyder, makes it to San Diego Comic-Con this year. And Snyder went on to like that post. I suspect he was just being nice, but a lot of people are freaking out and saying that that means he's coming to San Diego Comic-Con and he's going to drop some Snyder cut news. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'll watch it if they put it out it, i got a hard bet against that one yeah hard bet on no we'll see man it's coming right up around the bend it truly is we'll see that's always a fun news episode it wasn't last year <laughs> <laughs> that should normally be a fun news episode is what i meant to say right anyway uh we're gonna jump over to tv news uh there's oh, not a whole lot there one thing one quick but- thing Go ahead. What's up? I forgot earlier. I have one major hope with uh, Jeff Johns kind of stepping over. Uh-huh. And I get it. He wants to be on set more, and I approve. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that like his new uh, freedom to write. Come on, man. Come on. Stop delaying Doomsday Clock. Give me this comic. Like uh, I think that is probably on the table. It's 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 gone from like a thing I could expect regularly to a thing I had to expect less regularly to a thing that where they're like, I, I think the last issue I got was in late May. And now they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. August we're thinking, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> like it's, it's good. I'm enjoying it, but it's got to the point where I have to, I have to go back and reread like a couple to uh, just like, I wish there was like two panels worth of previously on doomsday clock at the beginning of each comic at this point. Mm hmm. <laughs> Or you can just do like Legion. Apparently, on Legion. Yeah, those cracked me the fuck up. <laughs> Allegedly. You, le- you messaged me with that. You messaged me talking about that, and then I finally got to it, and I was like, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> it was good. You know how hard it was to stop watching Legion to do prep for this show? I can only imagine. I was just like, oh, but it's so good right now. It's so good. Damn, I'm loving that show. I mean, I I finished it. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. God, I enjoyed the end of that show. Anyway, so uh, we're going to jump over to some DCTV news. 
Uh, if you're not going to follow us for that, uh, feel free to go check us out at dconscreen.com. And uh, again, you can leave us a voicemail, 205-259-6331, and we will love you forever if you go give us a positive review on iTunes. And uh, He is right. It's lifeblood. It is. It's unconditional very, love. Very influential little part of the internet for podcasting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Watchmen news up front. They've, they've put out some, some, well, some people have found some things. Some set photos have been put out. Um, flash, sorry, uh, bleh. There's, there are like shots of like signs with like squids over shelters or like squid shelter signs. Um, and if you'll recall, if you haven't heard previous episodes or don't know the, um, the HBO Damon Lindelof Watchmen series is going to be set in the future of the comic, mm-hmm. uh, not the future of the Zack Snyder Watchmen film. So apparently there are squids <laughs> and they have united humanity to some degree. <laughs> And there are squid shelters. <laughs> um, Slash Film has a newspaper that says uh, Vite, I assume Adrian Vite, officially declared dead. And another article on the newspaper says Boise Squid Shower destroys homeless camp, kills two. Nice. The hell is a squid shower? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But damn it. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> Um, like in your life, do you want to shout to, you know, the the people around you? Oh my God, it's showering squid! <laughs> no. <laughs> or oh no, that squid is showering some sort of substance upon us. You no, neither of these. All right. So, do you know who Lewis Tan is, Jason? Yes, the uh, really fun drunken fighter on Iron Fist. All right, I did not know that. I'm gonna look it up while you're talking, but go ahead. Well, Lewis Tan, as far as I know, is um, <laughs> was Shatterstar in uh, Deadpool two. Yeah, and he, evid- he evidently was he in Iron Fist as well. Yeah, you remember the scene with the uh, the guy who has to like keep drinking? Um, or they kind of make him keep drinking? Anyway, some okay. fight outside. Uh, yes, it, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, well, he's got the thing strapped to his wrist and the gourd. Oh, and, that's dope. Yeah, it's Lewis Tan. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's really cool. Um. So hard for me to remember anything moves. from Iron Fist. Dude had some moves. That was actually my like maybe my favorite scene from Iron Fist. That's why. All right. Well, um, he is apparently going to be involved in something with the DC Universe streaming project. Um, he says he had a great meeting, and he says my father started in this business with Tim Burton's Batman. His dad was Philip Tan. He was the dude in the sunglasses, the Joker dude with the the uh, the swords who fought Batman in the in the bell tower. Mm-hmm. Um, my father started in this business with Tim Burton's Batman. Soon will be full circle, and he's holding like a shit ton of like graphic novels. And on top is Ed Brubaker and Scott McDaniel's Batman run. And then like the only thing I can else I can make out is like at least two, maybe more uh, gr- trade paperbacks of One Hundred Bullets by Brian Azzarello. I don't know what the, I don't know what he's doing, but that could be cool. Yeah, it's gonna be something nice. What was um? Oh, the little mute girl, the little mute Batman or Batgirl. What was her name? Cassandra Kane. Cassandra Kane. Yeah, I'd love to see her father show up somewhere. What was his name? David Kane. Think so. Something like that. Um, Mostly because yeah. I've I've wanted to see that fight show up somewhere. So there was a, if there's a way we can crowbar that in, you you feel yeah. free to. I loved her. Like I I think I have every issue of her Batgirl. Like I don't blame you. She was awesome. Like she was better. She was a better fighter than Batman, just because she she fought. That was her language. Like she. <laughs> that was the really neat oh, phrase they so kept cool. using. Was like that's just how she talked to people. And <laughs> like you, you love even that like Batman understands that about her. Like she that's just how she communicates. So like they they have a quick spar and he bows and she bows and they're like okay we're cool. Yeah, and I love the art on that book. Who was it? Damian Scott was that right? Is that the name? No idea. There's no way I'm going to know that or, or remember it. I'm going to look it up real quick because I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Damien Scott, yeah. But Love Damien Scott artwork, man. That was a solid book. Anyway, sorry, I got lost in remembering how, how good the, that old Batgirl book was. I understand. The amount of bullets, though, reminded me of uh, David <laughs> Kane. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, what a he would be fun to see, man. 
Yeah, I they, agree. Had a, they had an interesting relationship. It, I, I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. seeing that portrayed. Yeah. Um. So over to some Lucifer news. Mm, God help us all. <laughs> it should be noted we are recording this uh, June fourteenth. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't know how she says her name. It's either German or German. Laura German. Uh, Chloe Decker on Lucifer was at the Oz Comic Con in Melbourne, and she basically told the crowd. There's a chance that a streaming network might pick Lucifer up, and that would have to happen by June 16th. It's like, we can't contractually audition for anything until June 16th, and then sadly, we are free to go after that. So we're just praying, praying it happens. June 16th is their drop-dead date. Um, Now, according to Jennifer Salk, who is the uh, head of Amazon Studios... They have had conversations about Lucifer. She says, uh, she tells Deadline this, We were talking about Lucifer. I'm not sure where we are on that. I know that international, especially the UK group, was really bullish on that show. Hmm. I haven't checked in on that today, which was Thursday, but I heard conversations were ongoing on that yesterday. So they might actually pick Lucifer up. It's doable. As uh, German, I think, explained, the sets are still up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm excited about it. Me either. Like, those those bonus episodes that were supposed to air last year, they were both, like, wonderful, and they also, like, confirmed my greatest fear. Everything that, goes back er, to status quo, guys. Everything goes back, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't need more of that. Mm-mm. All right, so Doom Patrol, uh, Omega Underground is reporting that Doom Patrol is going to be shooting or trying to shoot in the summer in Atlanta, um, which, you know, uh, Titans is is shooting in Vancouver. So that's going to be, if they really want to do like a crossover at some point, that's going to be a little complicated, but they might not stay in Atlanta. Um, and apparently they're spinning off from Titans. So, you know, I, I think they should like really, uh, get their footing before they start doing big crossover events anyway. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a, um, I don't know. They've got so much control over it, they can just kind of start throwing people together and screw it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. They can go crazy. Um, so, they, yeah, they can. Over on The Flash. <laughs> they have a little more freedom than the other networks have had. So yeah. They do. Why not? Over on The Flash, uh, Danielle uh, Nicolette has uh, been bumped up to a series regular for The Flash Season 5. That's uh, Cecile Horton. Um are they, I guess they're, are they engaged on the show? Is that what's happening? Are they engaged or are they just like in a living together situation? I thought it was engaged, but now I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Joe's soon to be baby mama. And I guess we'll figure that out later. <laughs> I, I don't mean, remember what their, <laughs> what their particulars are. I, I feel like they're going to make honest people out of each other one way or the other, but I think well, sure. we're engaged. And I feel right. like we're forgetting a scene that we should know. Mm, probably. So, yeah, fairness, she's... That would have uh, been months ago. Yeah. She is solid on the show, so I'm, I'm happy to see more of her. Yeah, she's good. Um, We have a little bit of fan feedback from Jordan Valdez of the Multiverse Musings podcast. And uh, three guesses what he's talking about, and the first two don't count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's uh, Jordan Valdez, guys. Hey, Dave and Jason. This is Bat Jordan Valdez calling in again. Uh, we had we had another voicemail flummox again, uh, but uh, hopefully it's working and, and you're getting this voicemail uh, now. Uh, that was pretty funny. Um, Dave knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to pitch in and say, uh, sort of respond again to what you were saying about my last voicemail uh, and say, yeah, I know Tom King's run has been very divisive. People either seem to love it or hate it. Uh, everybody's on either one end of the spectrum or the other pretty much. Um, and uh, I'm certainly on the absolutely love side of the spectrum, obviously. Like, for me, it's honestly my favorite comic book run of all time. And it's just, um, like you guys know, I'm a huge Batcat shipper. And just, just seeing, he, he's done so many things with the Batcat relationship that I've always dreamed of seeing in the comics. So, like, for me, it's like pretty much every issue of his run has been a dream come true. Um, and so, uh, it, it's just, it, it's been magical, um, you know, the last two years, but especially, well, really, especially since he, I love the first arc he did before he introduced Selena into, um, his, his run, but then especially with, starting with I Am Suicide, 
and then going on from there. I mean, it's just been a dream come true for me. Uh, Dave, uh, whenever you do get on this run, do definitely check it out, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts once you finally get caught up on this. As for Jason, I do really want to hear, dude, because you said you were about to read it after you recorded last episode. i got to hear what your thoughts are on Batman number 48 and what you thought of King continuing to write the Joker, because I found it to be this issue I think is going to go down as a legendary Joker story. Like, oh my goodness, the way he wrote the the unpredictability and just the sheer craziness of the Joker in that issue, phenomenal. So I'm really eager to hear your thoughts. I will talk to you guys later. Batcat forever, from the first kiss to the last. Bye-bye. All right. So yeah, you, like, Jason, you, you sat me down and made me read portions of Batman 48. Oh, I let you read it. <laughs> you let me read it. You were enlightened. I don't know that I was enlightened. It was fun. Damn it, it was good. That's all right. Like, 48 is... Uh, I'm going to remain as spoiler-free as I can. Mm-hmm. Basically, a Joker monologue. Mm-hmm. That is... Um, man, it, it incorporates so many wonderful aspects of the Joker. Like, as he pointed out, the underpredictability, like... I have adored the idea that he just showed up at some dude's house because random shit equal random therefore you know like mm-hmm. that is some scary shit and they do it again this time where mm-hmm. he shows up somewhere does a thing that he thinks should attract batman because well it should mm-hmm. it's it's um this guy's scary like legitimately scary the only spoiler i'll actually uh quote out of it mm-hmm. is at some point he without any irony without any creepy joker trying to mess with mess with somebody i think that's an honest moment out of the joker asks am i your best man mm-hmm. that is some amazing shit right there <laughs> like, i mean what happens right before that and right what follows it, it also fantastic but um just that one moment alone yeah we'll see i'll, I'll eventually read it all you damn well will <laughs> We're going to go now. Feel free to call us. Leave us a voicemail, 205-259-6331. Until next time, keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, could be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, an improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Are you maladjusted? Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. You know what drives you, what inspires you. You know why you're here today, thinking about your education and your career. But do you know how to get where you're going? Indiana Wesleyan University is a place where your dreams and goals are known, where you're pushed to excel, and you're supported beyond graduation day. Explore our tuition guarantee, our faith-integrated coursework, and more than 100 online degree programs. See how it's possible at iwuishow.com.